0: Good morning. morning. Good to be with all of you this morning. Don't get to say this too often. Open up your Bible to the last page. <laughs> the prostitute had heard rumors from her clients. Their homes were in danger. The enemy people were on the march and they were on the march toward their city. The tales of these people were as numerous as they were amazing. The tales of the way their God had defended them and fought for them struck fear in everyone around who heard. Those tales had had a different impact on her. So far from Causing her fear, they, they drew her. Could such a God be real? A God who would dwell with his people? A God who would fight for his people? Rahab knew that when the Israelites came to Jericho, Jericho would be finished. She knew, despite her years somehow worshiping idols, she knew that the idols of her city could do nothing before the one true God. She knew He was powerful and righteous, and dared she hope that He was merciful too? She knew that God was coming, which is why she then opened up her home to the spies. When the spies came in, she hid them on the roof, So that the patrols wouldn't find them. She got them safely out of the city and back to their people. Rahab not only believed God was coming. She lived like God was coming to her city. And so when God finally came to Jericho, she was saved from death. The only person in the city. She was saved from more than death. She was brought into the family of God. Prostitute became a mother that would eventually, you know, grandmother, 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 mother of David, and eventually of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Rahab believed God was coming, and she lived like God was coming. Well, we're finishing the book of Revelation this morning, a book we've been in for nearly a year. It has, for the most part, described the age in which we live, the the time in which we live with our satanic enemy opposed to God and opposed to God's people. But here in the last few chapters, it's begun to to look ahead and to describe Christ's return. And so this morning is our last opportunity to, to hear from God's Word and really to consider its application together in our lives. We've seen time and again that the Lord is returning. The question this morning, the question posed by God's word, the question posed by the text is will you live like it? Will you live like the Lord is returning? Will we be dismissive of what we've heard? Forgetful of what we've heard? Negligent? Of what we've heard. Or will we live like the Lord is coming? Rahab lived like God was coming to Jericho. Though she had never heard the word of God preached. Will we live as she did? Jesus is coming. Will you live like it? That's the passage before us this morning. We're going to read it. Follow along with me if you would. It is likely the last page in your Bible, Revelation 22. We're going to pick up in verse 7, and I'll read through to the end. God's Word. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. He said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be Holy, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. He who testifies to these things says, Surely, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So, Lord Jesus, we pray for that very grace right now to be with all, to be with us as we give attention to your word, which you make clear for us what you are saying, and give us grace to respond, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the main point of the passage can be summarized this morning in two very brief sentences. First one, Jesus is coming. The second, will you live like it? Jesus is coming, will you live like it? We're going to take these two in turn. Point number one, Jesus is coming. Three times he says so in his own voice. Verse 7 is the first one. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Behold, that is Bible speak, for look, watch, pay attention. I am coming soon. Here's here's the summary, the conclusion, the takeaway from the entire vision of Revelation. Jesus says, I am coming. Don't treat it like a possibility. Don't, Don't think of it as a maybe, as an option, as a probability. Treat it as certainty. I am coming. And I am coming soon. Do not imagine that there are ages upon countless ages to come. It will not. I am coming, and I am coming soon. Now, when we hear that, we realize rather quickly that we have a different definition of soon than Jesus does. We don't typically measure soon in thousand-year increments. This was written about 2,000 years ago. But Peter would tell us. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some count slowness. But is eager for those to repent. So the Lord, yes, he delays his coming so that more may turn to him. Thank God. Praise God for that. If he had come a thousand years ago, we would not know him. Praise God for his delay. But he will not always delay, and he will come. Peter, who said that the Lord is not slow, he also said when he comes, he will come like a thief. Friends, if he comes like a thief, that means he's going to come unexpectedly. And if he comes unexpectedly, then that means you must be ready. And if you are to be ready, that means you must know he's coming soon, or you will not be ready. Then look down with me to the second time he says this in verse 12, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is simply the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. So he could, if we were to really translate it, I suppose, he would say, I am the A and the Z, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm the bookends of history. I stood before it and brought it into being. I will stand at the end and bring it to its conclusion. And I, the one who do that, am telling you that I am coming soon. The one who controls all of history, I'm coming soon. And then again, he testifies down in verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. He adds the word this time, surely, certainly, without question, without doubt, with complete confidence, I am coming soon. And these are the last words of Christ in our text, in the book, and in the Bible. That that, that when we shut this book, that those last words of the Savior would stick in our minds. I Am coming soon. So I think our first point is well established. From the text. Point number one. Jesus is coming. Point number two. Will you live like it? Will you live like it? Here's where it gets interesting. Here's where it gets personal. And here's where the entire passage points. Throughout the passage. We go back from declarations of His coming to implications of His coming that we're to walk out, ways that it's to impact us. So it began right back up in verse 7 where we started. Remember this, and behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who doesn't forget what's in the book of Revelation now that you've made it to the end. Jesus is speaking, saying he's coming soon, and he's aware that John is writing down what he's saying. Jesus is aware that there will be thousands, millions of readers of this, his words right here. And he is aware that many will get to this point in the book and will hear and will forget. We'll hear and we'll disbelieve. And we'll make a start of it. And then there'll be some kind of persecution or difficulty and they'll they'll leave off with it. And so Jesus catches our eye. For every reader of the book of Revelation and for every hearer of this sermon, it is not blessed is the one who hears the book and goes on. It is blessed are those who keep what it says. Blessed are those who, who, who are not forgetful hearers but are the doers of God's word who keep the words of his book. And so Jesus says in verse 7, I am coming, will you live like it? Verse 10 and 11 continue this theme. I'll read it again. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. John is told, John who's writing this book is told, when you're done, don't seal it up. Don't take the scroll and wrap it up and and make it so that it is is not able to be read. This is actually an echo from the book of Daniel. When Daniel was given his revelation of the, the last days, he was told the opposite. He was told, take that, seal it up, for it's for a time far from now. But John is told quite differently, don't seal it up. This is for now. Keep the scroll unwound. Keep the book open. Make it available. Pass it around to the churches. Publish it that it might be read. Read it out loud that it might be heard for the time is near. Unlike Daniel, who was so far before. For, for John, the time is, is near. The time of Christ's return is near. And so the time for preparation is upon us. It's now. Now is the time to, to, to read and to apply and to understand. Which is why it goes on unexpectedly and says, Let the evildoer still do evil. The filthy still be filthy. Don't believe the book? Don't trust in God. Keep doing what you're doing. The outcome of of who you are will be made evident, 3D printed on your life. Those that begin with with small evil and refuse to repent will go on from, from lesser to more. The outcome will be obvious to all. But let the righteous still do right. And let the holy still be holy. In other words, keep going believer. Keep running, you who believe this. You've heard these words. Keep standing on these words. Keep pursuing righteousness in your life. The the faith that you have in God, to some degree we can see our faith. If I know God can see our faith. sometimes I have a hard time seeing my own. God can see our faith, but no one else can but But when faith becomes visible, that is it, it begins to turn into righteous deeds, turns into a pursuit of holiness, and that becomes that becomes writ large. People, people can begin to see the the outcome of our faith so heres here 's the meaning rahab she knew that God was coming to Jericho. she had this this inner trust in God that He would be coming. But her trust was made visible when she brought the spies in. Her, her faith in God was made visible when she hid them and sent them off on her way. So, so you believe that the Lord is coming. Good. Your trust, your, your faith is visible to God, but it will be made visible to all as you walk out a life of righteousness and holiness and godliness. So I ask, what should mark the church that has studied the book of Revelation for 11 months? What, what, what should be the characteristic of that church that's looked into the book of Revelation for a year? I tell you what, it's not. It's not some kind of charts and graphs about different times of this and millennia of that of the Lord's return. What should mark the church is godliness. And a pursuit of holiness. And a pursuit of righteousness. A renunciation of sin. Confession of sin privately and corporately. Pressing in to please the one who's coming. Jesus is coming. Will we live like it? That thought goes on, as we just read from verse 11 into verse 12. Where he says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. He is bringing his recompense with him. I don't know what your version says. A lot of versions says his reward. Either words can capture the, the basic meaning of the original. When he returns, he's bringing a reward, a reward that goes in two directions, He will reward, as it were, the wicked for their wickedness and the righteous for their righteousness. His reward points in both directions. His recompense points in both directions. And as it says, to repay each one for what he has done. To repay some? No. To to repay a particular group? No. To repay each one, everyone, all. This is what Rahab saw. She didn't just hear stories about the God of Israel and and think high thoughts of that God and think, yeah, you know, that God, He apparently acts at different times and in different places. No, she knew that if that God came to her place, she was toast. It was personal for her. And she responded to that God by living differently. Friends, When Jesus returns, this is not just a fact disconnected from you in some way. As though, you know, you'll be going about your day that day. You'll turn on the TV, CNN is on, and breaking news, Jesus returned. No. (laughs) That is not how this will go for you. Because he comes with his recompense for all, with his reward, good or bad for each individual person. Do you know this? Ah. He's coming with my recompense. How many years do I have left if I don't see his return? How many years do I have left? If I do, I feel myself a, a man on the edge of eternity, looking out to people on the edge of eternity. Do you know he's returning, and that this means everything about your future? There are those who have often heard of Jesus but have yet to bow the knee to Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's teens. Maybe maybe it's older folks and you've you've learned how to get along in church. You know that others believe in God, you're, you're happy for them. You know, others think this is all real, you're just unsure. But are you sure that you're unsure? Is that what it is that's holding you up from turning to Him? A lack of certainty? Or, or might it be a kind of fear of what you'll have to give up? A kind of fear of what it would mean to actually submit your life to Jesus. There are things to give up in following Jesus. Let no one tell you otherwise. He says, take up your cross and follow me. But, but Rahab knew that, right? Like she knew that if she hid the spies, she could get arrested she could get tortured. She could get killed. Why'd she do it? Because she knew God was coming. It didn't really, like, that didn't all happen to her. But if it had, it wouldn't have been for that long compared to the, the endless reality that would be the new day after God came. Friend, the Lord is returning. And he brings his recompense with him. And will you listen as he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. With all the God power he can muster. He says this. And in that very sentence, I am coming to repay each one. And will you harden your heart? Will you not turn to him? Will you not repent and ask for mercy? I think verse 12 and 13 are fearful in that sense. But to the extent that 12 and 13 are fearful, then here again, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by its gates. Who gets to enter the city? No one is born with the right. No one. No one just gets to walk on in to heaven, to, to, to relationship with God for eternity. One, get, one group gets the right, and it is those who wash their robes. That means you come to Jesus and say, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve your grace and your mercy. I'm asking anyway. Would you give me grace and mercy? This is why he died on the cross, to, that his blood could take away your sin, friend, your sin. Your sin. Wash your robes this morning. And here's what he says, in the, and this feels, this is heavy, this is heavy. The Lord is coming, that's heavy. But here's what he says, blessed are those, blessed. He, he's not being heavy about this. Blessed, happy, joyful are those who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Would you be happy? Listen, I want you to be happy. I want you to be happy. Are you? You who've yet to turn. Jesus will make you happy. He will. For all time. So I say again as it says here. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Don't seal them up. Don't don't right now neglect them. Even as I talk. Don't, Don't ignore them. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't postpone. Has he not said that he's coming soon? Then respond to Christ as as I talk, as I sing, before your God, the silence of your own mind, God, forgive me. God, raise me up out of this mess. Wash me. Jesus is coming. Will you live like it? Okay, so right now, church, right, right now, what I just finished doing was inviting people who don't know Jesus to come to Jesus. Church, we are called to invite people who don't know Jesus to come to Jesus. We are called to this. What does a church do that believes that Christ is returning? They tell others that Christ is returning. They do. Verse 17. The Spirit and the Bride say... Come, and let the one who hears say, "Come." Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Now, when I've read this in the past, I've always wondered who is being addressed here. Like the Spirit and the Bride are talking, and they say, "Come." Who are they saying that to? At at times, I've thought, "Well, surely they're saying that to the Lord, right? Come, Lord Jesus, we can't wait for you to return and." That is the prayer of the church, for certain. That's the prayer the church prays down in verse 20, and we will get there. But that is not what's happening in verse 17. This is the church calling to the world, saying, come. And it is the spirit and the bride together. This is an incredible picture of evangelism. Okay? What does the bride do? The bride, the church, the ordinary saints. We go out. A book in hand, trembling of heart, nervous to talk about it, aware of our own weakness, barely able to get over ourselves enough to invite somebody to church or to tell them about Jesus. And we open the book and we say, This is God is real, and, and you're a sinner, and Jesus is returning. And if you don't repent, you'll perish. And would you turn to him? and with stammering lips we say things that seem like powerless words that's the bride's job and it's the spirit in the bride right here that say come so the bride goes and so goes the spirit and he lights our words on fire and he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things and people who were dead come to life it isn't you it's him but he uses you. the friend, walk forward in your weakness and share the gospel because it is the bride that goes and the spirit goes with her saying, come, come. And then when, when somebody hears this and they believe, then they get that word in their mouth. And now all of a sudden, they're telling others. Now You come too and you come too. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. We have such good news. Good news for the thirsty. Good news for those who know their need. So, Mercy Hill, what would be the lingering effect on a church that has spent months studying the book of Revelation? It is to grow in evangelism. Jesus is coming. Will you live like it? We know He's coming with judgment for the wicked. We know that He said He's coming soon. Will we not warn them? Will we not have urgency in our warning of them? Would we be comfortable in our seat on the life raft as the ship of humanity sinks before our eyes? May God use His Spirit to awaken us to our responsibility and to to, to this calling that we have, that we would be faithful to raise our voices and to call others, come, come to Christ, come to Christ. So living in light of this involves telling others. Finally, we come to the last two verses of our Bibles, where the scriptures end. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So what does Rahab's faith look like for the New Testament church? What does it look like to to live in light of the reality that God is coming? That Christ is returning. What we see in verse 20 is a church longing for His return. When He finally, for the last time, says, surely I'm coming soon, then the bride speaks finally from the earth. Amen! Come, Lord Jesus! The response of the bride to the husband is to say, yes, please, indeed, be it as you said. Be it as you said, oh." Return, our Lord. You've likely, perhaps you've heard the word Maranatha. It's One of these kind of words that you get if you've been around the church for a while. Maranatha is a different language, but it's simply these words from verse 20. It means, come Lord, or Lord come. Maranatha. This is the cry of the church. In other words... Those who believe he 's coming are not passive about his coming they 're passionate about his coming. they anticipate his coming they 're waiting for his coming they 're looking for his coming it 's a matter of head and heart it 's not like you know a math problem or some history fact or something that just lands. okay, well, you know, I believe in george washington you know no this is a This is a personal reality. Why? Because it is our Lord who's returning. It's who is returning that that makes all the difference. This is not some stranger, not some distant God that we can't know, some unknown person. No, this is the one who's already came once and came the first time laying down his life on behalf of sinners, suffered and died in our place, has drawn us to himself who has been our good shepherd ever since the first day that we knew him, has walked with us, surely goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our life since we first looked to him. And it's that very one who is returning for his people. And so ends the chapter. So ends the book. And so ends all of scripture. Jesus is coming. Will you live like it? So will you seek righteousness and holiness in light of the fact that He is soon to return? Will you be about proclaiming His near return to those around you in light of His near return? Will you be eagerly awaiting His return? As a a bride, you know, would look out to sea waiting for her sailor husband to come home. Are you eagerly waiting? May he find us so waiting for him. May he find us so, so waiting and so living and so proclaiming for him on his return. And may he give us the grace to do so. We need the grace to do so. None of us can walk out of here and say, okay, I got this. <laughs> I got this. I I am going to, there there should be a resolution to do so. But let there be a resolution under and by and through the grace of God. Who alone enables us to respond to his word. Um, Which is why the scripture actually ends with that very prayer. The very last thing, the the last thing. Jesus said his last word, surely I'm coming soon. So the church says back to him, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Oh, Lord, we await your return. And we need your grace until your return. So that we may live lives worthy of your return. Come, Lord. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Worship team, come on up. Church, let's stand together. Oh Lord, we give you praise for your word, which fills our hearts with just the, filling our hearts as those sails, just filled with the wind of, of hope and anticipation of what is to come. Oh Lord, as we, as we close this book, may we not, may its message not be sealed up. We keep it fresh in our minds. Let us not forget. For you said three times, surely you are coming soon. Oh, Jesus, give us the grace that we may live glad, happy, joyful, holy, righteous, proclaiming lives. In light of your soon return for which we eagerly wait. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.